When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Most of you know already that our live show and our last show will be at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. on Friday, May 13th. I cannot wait to see y'all there. I am so excited to wrap up this amazing show in person with Natalie Lauren as our musical guest and so many other really amazing folks who are going to be sharing their stories and their growth and their self-care practices and their sisterhood on stage with me. So please get your tickets at the link in the description and I hope to see you there. Hi, I'm Alex L and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi, Chanel. It's so nice to have you back. How are you? I am here. And, (laughs) you know, that's all I can ask for these days. Mm. Who I feel that. I'm so excited to talk with you because a lot has changed since you've come on this show. And you're going to be a live guest in May. So I feel like this is just like a good buffer, you know, now and then to tap into deeper acts of listening and self-choosing and have a conversation around both of those things. But before we do that, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. Who am I? I think so much of the last two years have been kind of not redefining, but refining, finding, if you will, who I am. So I am... I I never like to talk about work because I just don't think that's a part of who I am. (laughs) I I do some project management for a company. I have experience doing DEI in in corporate settings, but I am, I am a listener. I am a damn good cook. I take really good photos (laughs) and I am a friend. I'm a sister. I'm a lover at my core. So I would say, you know, that's who I am. That's how I like to talk about myself these days. So a big life shift happened for you. And I want to talk about that shift and also you putting into practice what you teach others, which is this radical act of listening. But this time you were listening to yourself. And so can you walk us through this big change that came up for you and how you started putting in the practice of inner reflection in this like really kind of core level way. Mm, yeah. Oh, you know, I think if if I could have controlled the timing, I likely wouldn't have gone through all the change I did during a global pandemic. So that's one piece. But after 10 years in a really beautiful relationship with a man, marriage and, and everything like that, through a, a series of events that I won't go into here, I realized that I was a lesbian. Realize is a really challenging word for me too. I think that there's a piece of me that always knew that, but I'd never gave myself the space 
to listen to myself and to also interrogate myself and interrogate what I believed I was or who I needed to be. So that kind of was a domino effect in a lot of ways in learning to be a better listener to myself. You mentioned that on the show when I was last on the show, so much of what I talked about was listening to others. So being a radical listener to others, which means pausing the judgments that our, our brains want to do and the easy categorization that our brains want to do and really giving our full mental space to the person that we're listening to. And what I've had to learn over the last 18 months, almost two years now, is I also have to not judge myself. And mm. <laughs> I also have to give my full mental space to me. And I have to be a better listener to myself. Because so much of what I've learned is that I've been listening to so many other people. Mm. I've been listening and living through a lens that was not my own. And it's no fault to anyone. I don't fault anyone. And I also acknowledge that I caused harm and hurt and pain in, in the last 18 to two years. And I acknowledge that because I think it's important. I think that there's a lot of discussion around change and change at all costs, but I don't want to not honor and recognize that pain was caused in the change as well. Mm. And so that's something that's really important to me. And that's something that I continue to sit with is how to honor myself and the journey and the transitions that I've gone through and also honor that it might not be as celebratory for others. Mm. You know, I, in a lot of ways, I feel so much more like myself than I ever have. I feel so much more liberated and free. I feel able to just be Chanel and whatever that means. And that had a cost. And so what I've just been trying to do is be kind to myself, listen to myself and try to turn up the volume on what I am saying first and kind of lower the volume on what others expect or others are sharing to me and really just make choices that I feel good about knowing that can also change. I think it's Octavia Butler who's talked about how the only true thing in life, you know, God is change, right? And mm. I've just become so much more comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I, it's funny, I, that's a phrase that I use a lot in my DEI work is that we have to become more comfortable being uncomfortable. And I hadn't realized that I hadn't done that myself. So a lot of those past two years was realizing like, oh girl, you are preaching so much that you're not practicing. Mm. And how can I practice the words and the concepts that I preach and be my first student to myself? So I have a lot to say about all of that, but I think the first piece that I I want us to lean into is learning how to practice what we preach mm. and the humanness of us not doing that because I think so many folks feel as though when people reach a certain stage in their life, in their mindfulness, in their career, 
family life, so on and so forth, that there's kind of, you know, like we've arrived and we know that we, you know, we all know that we have never arrived. And I think that that's the beauty in learning, right? It's learning that in our change, there may come pain for others. It is Mm. in the learning that with our life, there will be some sort of suffering at some point in time. And so I'm curious to know how you are leaning into one, practicing what you preach for yourself. And like, that's a really huge, like milestone in all of our lives when those things start to link. And then two, what are you learning about your inner voice? You know, when I think about practicing what I preach for myself, I think it's the greatest form of uh, of being honest. And a lot of what I've been working on is not only how to practice what I preach, but how to trust what I'm even preaching. Mm. In this big change for me, I have lost some confidence in myself. I have also lost some trust in myself. And what I am rebuilding is how to trust myself again. Yeah. And and that also ties into how to trust what I'm preaching or what I'm sharing. And so I think practicing what I preach to myself requires trusting myself first. So that's where I'm focused on right now is how can I better trust myself and trust my thoughts, trust my ideas, trust my feelings, even though, you know, feelings aren't facts, they still are real. And so it's important to me that I just rebuild that sense of confidence and trust in myself. When I think about my inner voice, my inner voice is very mean. It's very judgmental. It is very insecure. And the same way that I'm working to build trust in myself and my thoughts and my feelings, I am also working to not be so mean to myself in my inner voice. I'm working to just recognize that I am a human and I have the full range of emotions and experiences. I think that so much of how I've lived life has been quite tidy. You know, the nursery rhyme, like first comes love, then comes marriage, you know, that kind of very sequential way of living life. I went straight through grad school, got a job. I kind of checked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. And so when something became not tidy or untidy or even messy, like I just didn't know what to do with that. And I didn't know what to do with that for myself and for others. And I had a friend who has just been a godmother in this moment of my life because we share similar paths Mm -hmm. and she's a bit older than me. And one thing she said to me is that Chanel, you don't owe anyone a clean life. Wow. Life is going to be what it is. And sometimes it's going to be messy. Mm. And if people want you to tidy up your life for them, they maybe aren't going to be around. And hearing that affirmation Mm -hmm. that it's okay when things don't go the way that you thought they were going to go. It's okay when life takes a really significant shift. That's just what life is and what it does. I think I grew up to believe 
that I was meant to control life and I can control all the things that I did. What I've learned and what I keep working on through my inner voice is how can we just adjust? Mm. <laughs> how can we adjust to life and not try to control it? Because where did controlling it get us? <laughs> right? right? There's a lot of stones that I just never turned over. A lot of questions that I never asked myself. And so I am learning to change my inner voice, to focus on adjusting to life, not controlling it, giving myself more grace, being kinder to myself, and being more loving to myself, nurturing myself with my words and my thoughts, consoling myself with my words and my thoughts. Because I've also just learned that I have to, I'm responsible for myself. You know, I'm responsible for my life. And some of that comes from, I have another friend who practices SGI, Nichiren Buddhism. Mm. And I've kind of been stumbling in it, working my way and exploring it. But one of the things that I value so much is that we either have the tools or we can find the tools mm -hmm. to change our lives. Mm -hmm. And and that's just kind of what I'm I'm in it for right now is how can I and, and not from this place of, I must acquire everything, all the knowledge all the time, right. but how can I recognize, oh, I'm being really mean to myself here. How can we be kinder? How can we be softer? Mm. And so sometimes that comes through my own processing. Sometimes that comes through therapy. Sometimes it comes through conversations with friends where I can bounce an idea off and someone will say, wow, you're being really mean to yourself. Mm. <laughs> I think all of those pieces have really helped me to not only identify where my inner voice just isn't being very nice and ways in which I can reframe my relationship with myself. What has coming out as a lesbian taught you about self-love and the realization that you weren't living in alignment with your heart's desire? Mm, I think I'm still learning that, to be honest. It goes back to the trusting myself again. I'm still working through self-acceptance. Mm. There are days where I just feel like me and there's no other way to really describe that other than like, oh, I'm just living my life. And then there are other days where I experience some form of whiplash. But I think coming out for me was an acknowledgement of who I've always been. When I was in a, in a hetero and a straight marriage, I like to play with my clothes and my gender expression through my clothing. Mm -hmm. And it's just very fluid for me. Some days I will be more kind of, if you will, feminine, if we're thinking of the typical binary, more feminine and some days more masculine. And I would feel really uncomfortable doing the more masculine fits because I didn't know how that would look. And so, so much of what I'm doing now is like, I just get to play more with myself and with the boundaries that I've set up for myself. It feels like a weight that's kind of come off of my shoulders of dealing with, you know, pleasure and arousal and challenges that I had there, feeling very incompetent and feeling very 
bad at sex, (laughs) Mm -hmm. feeling bad at, you know, all of those pieces. And what's been really nice is to find a new confidence in myself as a full human, Mm -hmm. how I express myself, how I experience pleasure, all of those things have been enabled by the coming out Mm -hmm. is that being able to just kind of be my fullest, most authentic, most human self. Let's talk about food and photos (laughs) and how both of those things create a practice of self-care for you and creativity. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It was very stark once I came out in the process of going through a separation, a divorce and all those pieces. I lost almost like 30 pounds Um, just because I didn't really have an appetite and I wasn't cooking and I was severely depressed. It has just been kind of the last six months or so that I've started to love cooking again. I always loved cooking and it was a form of therapy for me, but I grew to not like it. It was tied to a lot of old memories at that point, but I'm finding my love for cooking again. And It's just so exciting for me. (laughs) I love, I never stopped loving food, but I think the cooking piece, and I love to cook for myself. I love to cook for others. Food just plays a really important part in my life. Flavors, the smells, the process, the picking out of the produce. I recently moved to Washington, D.C. from Maine, where I was before. And, you know, finding the different farmers markets when it's produce is in season and when they're hosting them outdoors. It's just a practice of quiet because I, when I cook, I don't really play music. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just very one with the action or the task I'm doing in the moment. And so it gives me time to be in silence and not be in my head because most times when I find myself silent, I'm oftentimes in my head. But when I'm silent and I'm cooking, I'm not. I'm just very much in my body. I'm very much in my senses of smelling and touching and tasting and seeing. And I love to plate my food. You can hear the smile, I imagine. Like, I just love it. I really do. And it's something that brings me a lot of joy and happiness to just be in the kitchen. And that also connects a little bit to my photography passion. And also I'll add videography in there because I do love to shoot a little video here and there. Mm-hmm. I've been playing around with, you know, Instagram reels and TikToks of food and trying to create things, not for anyone else's consumption, but just for my own pleasure and joy. Yeah. Because I think so much of social media is like, how do you you know, get profit from this. How do you, it's like, I actually just want to have fun here. Thank you. And I want to just do this on my own terms. And not as hashtag ad. Thanks. And not as hashtag this, like <laughs> hashtag ad, hashtag spot. Like none of that matters to me. And quite frankly, I don't want that. <laughs> I had a friend mentioned, 
oh, I want this to go viral. I was like, wow, I really don't. I really don't want that to happen at all. I like to create the things that I create for the people I want to see it. And so I think that's also a piece of listening to yourself is like, this doesn't feel good. So I'm not going to do it. And so just like being able to be creative in the ways that I enjoy being creative. I've also grown more into fashion and just like playing around with the things that I wear and what I put on my body and what feels good in the day. Uh, there's just so many, many opportunities for me in those three kind of practices to just pause for a little bit and play. I said to myself sometime last year, I just want to create more room for play mm -hmm. and to have fun and to get out of my head. And so, you know, rediscovering my love for cooking is just one of the ways that I'm able to do that. As we bring this conversation to a close, I have to ask my favorite question to ask, which is, mm -hmm. if you were mentoring your younger self, what would you teach her? This question always makes me cry. So I'm going to try not to. And it makes me, me weepy because you ever look at old photos of yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, who is this baby? Mm -hmm. And like, you kind of fast forward through all the different moments in life to now. And you're just like, oh my gosh, you have no idea, darling, what you're going to experience. You know, I think if I could mentor my younger self, I would say, don't carry everyone else's load and forget yourself. I've made a lot of decisions for others based on others' anxieties and fears, based on others' trauma and lack and gaps and needs. And so I missed out on some different opportunities that I'd look back on. And not that I regret, but uh, I just wish I had made different decisions. And so listen to yourself, listen to the things that you want, young Chanel. And don't forget you have your own life and load to carry. And so... That would be what I'd say to my younger self, for sure. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.